0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to the Clydesdale Media Podcast. My name is Scott Switzer. I'm the Clydesdale. She is Taylor Patterson. Before we get to her, though, I need to thank my sponsor, um, Extend, Cellucor, and C4. Uh, You can use the code Clydesdale at officialextend.com or cellucor.com to get at least 20% off everything in the store. Right now, they're running a 25% off. So you get an additional twenty or five percent for 30% off. So make sure you go check that out at officialextend.com or com and get at least 20% off all your orders. Thank you so much. And Taylor, how are you doing today?
1: I am doing well. How are you guys doing? How are you doing? Yeah, We are
0: doing well. Um, I am so excited to have you on. Last time you were on, you talked to Cat. So yeah. This is okay. my first time uh, to get to chat with you. And first things first, your name changed from the last time you were on the show.
1: It did actually officially yesterday. I finally made the uh, DMV trek and got my name changed on my driver's license and everything. But yeah, that's a that's a whole thing. There's so much to change your name on. I didn't was not prepared for that. <laughs>
0: So what I found, first of all, what I found super impressive is you got CrossFit to change your name.
1: Yeah. I, is it official?
0: <laughs> yeah. I, when I was researching you, it said nice. Taylor Patterson. And that is very unusual for CrossFit to act that swiftly.
1: Yeah. I mean, so I reached out to them thinking, because you can go on your games page and edit it. So I thought it would be just like done. But since I'm a trainer, you have to go through the seminar staff and get it changed through them. Um, so literally yesterday I emailed them my like temporary driver's license. So like that was very fast that they got it changed.
0: <laughs> yeah. Wow. Because I've, t- we've talked to athletes who have either changed an email or changed the name and it has either split their account in two. Yeah. So they have like two <laughs> accounts out there. Yeah. Um, but you have all of your information is under Patterson.
1: Nice. I'm impressed. I, like I said, I just started working on that. So that's a, that's a win for CrossFit.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So people will probably be hounding you now. How did you get it done when like Travis Mayer had two email addresses? He has two accounts. He has tried to get it fixed for years and it has not happened.
1: That's insane. I feel for <laughs> it. I mean, yeah, I didn't do anything special. I just reached out to the seminar staff. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and you're That's talking like eight-time games athlete.
1: Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> I feel bad, actually, a little.
0: <laughs> yeah. So did you just decide to change your name, or did something happen in the yeah. last few months that made that happen? Uh,
1: something happened. So we got married at the end of October, me and my husband, um, which is still weird to say. So we're like going almost two months we are been married, so. Yeah, so something did change. I didn't just change it willy-nilly.
0: <laughs> so how long did you guys date before the marriage?
1: Um, just over two years. Um, we actually got engaged okay. right after semifinals. So we were back for like a couple weeks, and he proposed. So we had a pretty quick engagement.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty nice. Because um, even in the podcast with Kat, you named him boyfriend,
1: mm-hmm. not
0: fiance. Yeah,
1: yeah. So. Yeah, it was a fast turnaround. He had even, he had brought the ring with him to semifinals out in Tennessee. Um, but I think we, I was a lot more stressed than I anticipated for my first run. And I think he was like, it's eh, probably not the right time. So got home and then he popped the question. So that was but much better timing.
0: <laughs> so was it a surprise?
1: Yeah, um, it was honestly pretty chill. We were just at home, but we had just got back from walking the dogs. And I went and changed, got into my like comfy clothes for the evening, and I walked out into the living room, and he was like staring out into the abyss, <laughs> like everything okay? <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> uh, and that was that was more or less like the preempt to him proposing.
0: <laughs> Very cool.
1: Yeah.
0: So, so you are a firefighter.
1: Yes, or I, I was. <laughs> but yeah. Well, yeah.
0: <laughs> we, need to, we need to set that. We need to set the story.
1: Yes. Yes. I was, I am a firefighter.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I know when you talked to Kat, that that when you were doing CrossFit, you had some mentors that kind of influenced you to go into firefighting.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was it that attracted you to firefighting in that moment?
1: Honestly, so I grew up in like a real small town on a ranch, like very blue collar community. Um and I was kind of at the cliche point in my life where I was like, I don't know what I'm doing with my life. I had joined this really cool gym. Um and it was owned by a uh a fire captain. And I started realizing like the coaches and the members, they were all firefighters. So they were like, Hey, like I think you'd be good at this. This is something you should you should give a shot. And the horse trainer I was working for at the time, he was her, her wife or my goodness, her husband. <laughs> um was a firefighter as well, so he kind of took me under his wing and had me do a ride along with them. Made me put on a pack and like climb under some random stuff in their station, just to it's like if you can't handle this on your face, then let's just nip this nip this in the butt right now. <laughs> um, and after that, I was just hooked. I got to ride along with a, a busy station down in the Denver area, and I didn't I didn't realize coming from a small community that I did what exactly the fire department did, and I do everything. Um, so it was a, like right away after my first ride along, I was like, yeah, I want to do this. this. This seems like a good fit. It's a very blue collar community. Like I grew up in and it seemed like a no brainer.
0: So what is the process from the point you say, Hey, I want to do this to actually getting to be a firefighter.
1: It is a process. So, um, you, most departments will require you have your EMT before you get hired with them. So that's what I started with. I went through my EMT class, which is like a semester long, if I remember right. Um, and then I also started applying to volunteer departments. And that was like a big piece of advice I was given early on was that you kind of have to earn earn your spot, right? Like pay your dues a little bit. So I joined a volunteer. It was actually a combination department. They had some volunteers and they had some career staff. And so I applied with them and got hired and went through like a part-time fire academy at the same time as I was going through my EMT thing. Um, so that was a lot. And I don't recommend that for anybody, <laughs> uh, but it made it go quickly. So I got on with a volunteer department, a real small department here in Colorado. And I did at the end of my like Academy and my probationary year. So you have to go through again, pay your dues for a year and prove that you're a hard worker. You really want to be there, and that you're not just like a, a turd that just showed up because they want to, you know, wear the t-shirt that says firefighter on it, because um, <laughs> they're out there. Um, at the end of your my probationary year as a volunteer, I got hired full time. So some people had quit the department I was at, and it just—I truly believe it was right place at the right time, and they needed a firefighter, and I was a volunteer ready to be hired. So. I interviewed and got hired career when I was 22 um, at the end of my first year as a volunteer.
0: So then, you you talked to Cat about that in 2019. You got hired on at a bigger station.
1: Yeah.
0: And there was a step there where you had to go to career school.
1: Yeah, so it's a career academy. Um, career academy. Yeah, it starts in August and ends like just before Thanksgiving.
0: So. Is that picking what kind of a firefighter you're going to be or do all firefighters have to do it?
1: Most firefighters, most departments will will require you go through their academy and teach you how they want you to be taught. Um, So not at that point in our career, you're not really picking like your path in the fire service quite yet. Like you're learning to be a firefighter more or less.
0: So did you still love, love the profession when you went to the bigger fire department.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the department I was at, that was so small. They, because it's so small, we were required to do a lot of different jobs really quickly. So I felt like I was being pushed faster than I wanted to, to promote, to be like an engineer and drive the engine and do stuff that I was like, Hey, I'm still like new here. I'm just less new than that guy. (laughs) Um, Which is what, pushed me to join or apply to a bigger department. And actually that came up the captain who I knew at the bigger department, I met through CrossFit and he, it's a neighboring district to the smaller department that I was at. And he was like, Hey man, we gotta, we gotta get you to go. Like come apply with us. Like it's time. You need to move up. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I guess it's time. <laughs> so
0: we have a comment. Hi Taylor uh, from Jerry trend. Uh, that he misses your coaching.
1: He's a good dude. He's um, He was a member from one of the the gym that I used to coach at before CrossFit 970.
0: Yeah. So you go through the academy, you become a full firefighter in the bigger station, and then are you just like a regular, because I watch Chicago Fire, so I know everything there is to know about firefighting.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's super similar in real life. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs>
0: So what, what exactly did you do from that point? Do you just become like a regular fireman? Do you, are you working EMT stuff?
1: Um, a little bit of both. So fire Academy for the most part is like all fire all the time. Like you're just learning how to fight structure fires and wildfires and car accidents. And like, it's very just heavy on the fire side. Um, so you come out of Academy a little bit being like, Oh man, like I haven't talked to a patient in like six months. So this is (laughs) going to be interesting Um, so then you get kind of thrust into, back into the EMT side, because that is, I mean, predominantly what you do as a firefighter is EMS. So, um, you come off out of academy and you're considered a probie. That's what our department calls it. Um, and you're more or less, you're, you're the boot, right? Like you're doing all the, the not fun chores, cleaning toilets, really just doing everything. You have this little book that you have to fill out. It's like a homework assignment that you do every day. Um, and you are yes sir, yes ma'am. You have to wear this little bad shirt the whole time. Um, and again, like you're you're paying your dues at that point, and that's for from a year from when you get hired to the end of that year. And then you have your like big, you made it. Like you're you're one of us officially. <laughs> and then it gets better from there. And then you you get to teach the new guys.
0: So you had passed the probationary period. <laughs> you had gotten all the way into like full firefighter.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: So now we're going to go back to your CrossFit career. So okay. we, got to, we got to set up the story. So <laughs> in 2021, you were the seventh fittest firewoman in the world.
1: I didn't actually know that, but that's kind of a cool statistic.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and you, I would say you were much fitter in 22 than yeah, you were in sure. 21, and, but you just didn't do the occupational games in 22. Yeah. So you yeah. might have been the fittest firewoman maybe. Well there's some pretty fit firewomen.
1: <laughs> there are. <laughs> there yeah. are for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, that person that came in sixth up at Granite Games. Uh
1: yeah, Chloe Wilson. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> yeah, Chloe
0: Wilson, that's it. <sighs> Her name was escaping me. But um <laughs> so you you then in 2022 you f- you finished 120th in quarters. Mm-hmm. So kind of I know there was some jockeying, but last person in. Yeah. However, when you got to semis, you did so much better than you did at quarters.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So
0: you finished 13th at the syndicate Mm -hmm. in a very, very, very stacked competition.
1: Yeah, it was, it was humbling for sure, but it was also very encouraging at the same time.
0: Yeah, when you're in a when you're in a semifinal where games athletes are not qualifying,
1: yeah, no it's kidding. Pretty sacked. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so, so what did that do for you? When first of all, are you a better in person competitor than you are oh, online? Hundred
1: percent. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, I know that it is a part of our sport, so it's important for me to be good at the online stuff, and we're getting better. But man, I am. 1000 times better in person. <laughs> I like being able to see the girls next to me and being like, okay, that's who I need to be. Or like, that's the pace I need to keep.
0: So then you get to syndicate and you do very well. Mm-hmm. You finish 13th. So upper half, which is pretty phenomenal for someone who come in, came in like last in. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Um. <laughs> So what did you learn in that weekend about yourself?
1: A lot. Um, It's funny because like looking back on it, I did both better than I expected and also not as well as I wanted, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And like the whole weekend, honestly, was a learning curve. And we tried to, like my coach did a really good job trying to prepare me for like being in the corral before and like, Having to warm up and then sit for ten minutes and all of that, which was awesome, but it's hard if you can't prepare yourself for being in that back warm up area and seeing all the girls warm up and like I rem- that GHD workout that we did at Syndicate. I remember warming up and watching the other girls do GHDs and me thinking like, "Oh my god, like those are so fast! <laughs> we're on different GHD level tier." Um, but it's hard to teach like staying in your own lane, even in the back, like not worrying about how fast their GHDs are because I can't control that. Um, So it was definitely, it was a learning experience for sure. And we had a good little community back there helping me, which was awesome. Um, But the biggest takeaway I took from Syndicate that is leading into this whole, this whole story (laughs) um, was that I belong out there and that like, I'm just as good as these girls. I just, I just need to dig in a little bit more.
0: So, the other thing that happens when you come in as 120 is you have to start in the first heat
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you have to work your way up yeah. to get into the faster heats. Yeah. Did that, luckily for you, you start with a barbell
1: mm-hmm.
0: that doesn't really matter what heat you're in, right?
1: Yeah. And that was you, like the perfect answer. Yeah. I was like, yes, let's start with some lifting. Like, let's get the nerves off with something I like.
0: (laughs) And then Friday night was, I can't, it was a, like a chipper. It was the torque tank thing. Right. And, um, but so that does matter, right? You're in the first heat, you're going with those girls Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and they're, they're phenomenal athletes, but they're not the upper echelon that you're trying to reach. Right. And so did you think that affected your performance at all in that second event?
1: Yes and no. Um, I think at that point I was starting to be like, okay, like worry about yourself. Um, But also almost to like a disadvantage where I was playing it too safe. I was like, okay, don't go out too hot on the bike. Like we don't want to blow up. And then Gabby was in my heat and she is incredible on the (laughs) Echo bike, like just an animal. And I remember she went out so fast and I would say we're we're more similar athletes than I a lot of other girls. Um, so I was like, uh oh, like we we did not do the right approach on this one. And she like that was the first time in that competition where I was like, okay, like yeah, stay in your own lane, but we're gonna have to push it because these are not the girls that I'm trying to beat. It's the girls and the next heat.
0: So this isn't even in my notes. Gabby's from Colorado too, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Do you guys ever get a chance to train together?
1: We haven't yet. Um, honestly, I think the first time me and Gabby met was at one of our like local big ish competitions here in Colorado, um, like a year ago. And then from there, when we figured out we both were going to syndicate, that's when we started talking. So before then we hadn't really, we hadn't talked much. Um, but it would be freaking sweet if we got to, she lives like, like three hours from where I'm at. Um, but still close enough. Cause I don't know if she has many competitive people to train with where she's at. I know like down here, it's, it's more or less just me on the girl side. So it would be great.
0: (laughs) So, so then you get through the weekend and maybe this, this is me trying to understand what you were saying. You, you were doing better than you were placed to do, but then you get so close to the top 10. Yeah. Right. And so it's right there. You can see it, you can taste it but you just yep. missed it. And is that kind of what the weekend, the the cycle went through?
1: Absolutely. Like it was, I mean, obviously a lot of highs and lows and I was so excited to be doing better than I kind of expected. But then when we got so close, cause I think I was, I was in 12th or 13th leading into that last workout. And then I, I stayed right there. And so finishing so close to top 10 and knowing that had I, stuck to my plan maybe a little bit more on the last workout that maybe I would have been able to squeak back into the top 10 um, is both so frustrating, but it also is a good, a good fire for this season.
0: So you also, when you were talking to Kat said you were most nervous about the rope climb workout,
1: <laughs> yeah. which
0: turned out to be <laughs> not an issue for you at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's probably my most top 10. With. I think so. <laughs> Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I checked. Yeah. You're on it. <laughs> Top 10.
0: <laughs> so, so you were, you were actually nervous about that, but that was not the issue competitively for you that weekend.
1: Yeah, that was, that was a pleasant surprise. Like I was really proud of that workout because leg legless rope climbs is not something I would say I'm not like necessarily great at and I'm for sure not a good runner. Um, I'm getting better at running. <laughs> um, but so to do as well on that workout as I did was like, heck yeah. Okay. We're in it. Let's, let's go.
0: <laughs> so you finish the weekend.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What are, what are some of the things you're saying to yourself? Like if I could do this, I I would have done better.
1: Yeah. Um, oh man, there was just, there was so much going through my head at the end of the weekend. Um, like I was I was ready to quit then. I was like, let's do this. Like I'm ready. Let's let's go all in. Um, but Andrew's very he's very realistic and like the rock in our relationship. He's like, okay, like let's calm down, like let's talk about this first. Um, but then there was also a lot over the weekend that I like I had personally done wrong or just executed poorly. Like that last workout, I let my nerves get the best of me. And I went out with a set of eight on those ring muscle ups, which I knew was not the right approach. Um, and just, that's probably my biggest regret of that whole weekend is that I ended on like my, probably my worst note for the weekend, but it was all, that was all something I could control, which is super frustrating, but also encouraging to know that like, okay, it's in there. I just totally did that wrong. (laughs)
0: So you made an Instagram post earlier this week
1: mm-hmm.
0: that you have made a decision and you are giving up something you love to go after something you love. Yeah. And, and how hard is it to make that decision? Because you have two things in your life that you're passionate about and that you love, but you have to, you can't do both.
1: Yeah, uh, so hard. Like so incredibly hard. Harder than I could have even imagined. Um like when we when I gave my notice to my fire department, uh our fire chief is incredible. But even then I don't think it really like settled or really sank in what I was saying I was gonna do until I was done. And then it was like, oh man, like what did I do? I hope that this this is the right decision. So it's been it's been a roller coaster for sure.
0: So what was the reaction from the other firefighters?
1: Amazing. Honestly, it would have been it would have been better if they were a bunch of jerks. It would have been would have made it so much easier. Um, but the department I worked for um, is seriously one of the best I think out there in regards to training and physical activity and just the best people. And my shift that I was on, I was a B shifter, which um, B shift is the best shift if any other firefighters out there. <laughs> um, But we were—I'm very close with my entire shift. Like they were all at our wedding. Um, They all watched me at uh, at semifinals, even though most of them don't understand CrossFit very much. Um, But they were all so supportive, and I think most of them weren't surprised. I think they all kind of saw it coming, especially after semifinals. But um, and I got my fair share of shit giving because that's just what we do. But very, very supportive. Very supportive. Which so, made it so much harder.
0: <laughs> so for our listeners, you have decided to give up firefighting in lieu of going all in for CrossFit.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's scary. It was scary making that post and it's even scarier to talk about it here in a live podcast. <laughs> um, but it's also really exciting. So
0: so I have so many questions about this. <laughs> you, you make the decision. You you talk about in your post that you don't want to live with regrets. Yeah. That you were to you're to put an age in your career where it's either now or never.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And true. so
0: for our listeners you're 27 28? 28. Yeah. It
1: just turned 20 well, turned 28 this summer.
0: <laughs> okay. And so realistically you have two to three more years to try to make the big push. And I'm assuming that's to the games.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's the, that's the long-term goal or the, that's the ultimate goal. Let's put it that way.
0: (laughs) Okay. So when you were a firefighter, what couldn't you do that you needed to, to leave that to be able to do now?
1: The biggest thing, so the department that I work for and the stations that I worked at were very busy and busiest at night. <laughs> um, our department works a forty-eight ninety-six schedule, so we work for two days and then we're off for four, which in theory, when you look at that schedule, you're like, oh yeah, I have so much time to train, like this is great. But it would always come back to me having to rearrange my schedule so that I could get enough training on the four days that I was off and sacrifice the time that I was on duty because it never failed. I would plan to do training on duty, which we're allowed to work out on shift. That's part of um, like our requirement, I guess, at work is to work out on duty. Um, But if we get a call in the middle of a workout, like you drop everything and you go. And I don't know (laughs) if you've ever been in the middle of a nasty Metcon and get interrupted. have to go do something and come back and be like, I have to rewarm up for this. And do I start in the middle of it or do I start over or like, how does this work? (laughs) Um, So that was not working. And I'm very fortunate. Matt Chan works for a department that neighbors my department. And I've got to know him through my coach. He used to coach my coach when she was competitive. So that's how we originally met. But then we ended up teaching um, like physical fitness, like a CrossFit coach essentially for the fire service for our fire academy. And so we got to build a little bit of a relationship through there and he was able to help me like, okay, so on duty, you're just lifting, just do lifting stuff. Cause it's easier to get called out, come back and warm up for just a lift instead of being like, I have to go right back into that dark place. Um, yeah. And it sucks getting all your gear on when you're out of breath and sweaty. <laughs> it is the worst. <laughs> um, so anyways, that was like rearranging all of our training at this level to get as much as I could in four days and really would end up being three because I'd go on shift. I don't sleep super well before I go on shift because I live about an hour from where I worked and I I'm just neurotic. I'd always be worried. I wouldn't wake up in time or whatever. Um, and then the two days I was on shift, most of the time, most of our calls were at night. So we were up all night. And so when I came off on, you know, my final, my final day, my third coming off, um, I would be like a freaking zombie so that day would be like a low impact day or maybe i would sleep the first half of the day and try to go in and train so that day is more or less shot too so then i'm really just cramming three days of training as much as i can into those last three days before i go back on duty which in turn i wasn't ever resting either um and i know like chloe wilson she talked a little about it i think on a podcast once she would take one full rest day on shift and then like work out with her crew and then train the four days after. And I also had tried doing that as well, but the department or the shift that I was on, I guess the stations I was at, it just, my rest day wasn't a rest day. We'd either be training or we would be up all night or I wasn't recovering. So it seemed kind of like it was pointless anyways. I might as well be doing something than just pretending I was resting. (laughs) So really like the recovery aspect for this whole thing was, that was the biggest thing is that I couldn't, I couldn't recover fast enough to do as much training as I was on my 40. And ultimately it ended up to a knee injury. So that was cool.
0: (laughs) So what happened to your knee?
1: Honestly, it was best case scenario. So leading up to semifinals, we thought I had a meniscus tear. That was kind of like the symptoms that I was presenting. It would mostly get stuck when I was running. If like, I felt like it just like I'd have to straighten it really quick and then be like, okay, we're good. Um, but when the volume ramped up for semifinals, it would just get so stiff where I couldn't squat, which was not ideal leading up to that. So then we took all squatting, all of the running out, um, which again, like that was what I needed to be working on the most. What ended up being is at some point in my life, probably on duty, (laughs) I dislocated my kneecap. And in that process, it like sheared off a, a little piece of cartilage that was stuck under my meniscus. So it was a really easy fix. (laughs) They just had to take that piece of cartilage out from under my meniscus and then like smooth down my kneecap. And it was pretty quick recovery, but it shouldn't have been there in the first place. (laughs) So, wow. You say
0: easy. That does not sound fun to me.
1: I mean, it's better than a meniscus repair. I think I've never had surgery before, so it was horrible, but um, it was, it was best case scenario for what it was.
0: (laughs) So my one co-host, Amy, She's had two meniscus issues. I think both surgir- surgical and the one went when she was do- doing a demo of an overhead squat with a PVC oh no. pipe. Oh, no.
1: And it's like, always stuff like that. Like just like random, like normal everyday things. <laughs> it's everything cool. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And she is, she found CrossFit later in life. And so she's not competitive, but she is so fit and she just, she always wants to be moving. And when that happened, it just like devastated her.
1: Yes. And it is such like a, you're like, I can't do anything with this for this long. Like I'm just supposed to let it be there. (laughs) It's yeah.
0: Okay. So, (laughs) and and I can like, just looking at your story, I figured trying to get everything in four days, anytime you try to compress training, into a shorter window is not conducive to being the fittest you can be.
1: Yeah, exactly. So
0: (laughs) now that you have the free time, what are you going to change and what will your training look like moving forward?
1: So, um, the biggest change is that now I actually get a rest day, like an actual rest day where I'm, Pretty much doing nothing. That's it. (laughs) Um, I coach on Monday, that's my rest day. Um, and that's it. I just hang out, I do like stuff on my computer that for uh nutrition stuff, and then coach and that's it. So that's the biggest, I think, game changer. Um and working with the HWPO crew, like talking talking to them about some of the issues I was having and making this decision, they were like, dude, you need a rest day. Like there's no way around that. You have to have a rest day. Um, so that's been the most exciting part. And then now I'm also, I have like full days to train and I don't have to cram any extra stuff. So I'm spending a lot more time running and I'm doing a lot of stuff that I need to work on specifically and not have to cram it all into like three days. I get to spend it as a normal training schedule.
0: So are you now with HWPO or have you always been?
1: Uh, This will be my second year. So uh, last year about, a little before this time, I switched to HWPO. It was their first um, pro program. Um, and then, so through semifinals, I was on HWPO and got to meet Matt and all of them. And they were incredible. Um, and then from even after semifinals, they've stayed in touch and helped me figure out this whole thing. Um, so not to say they like bought my loyalty, but they were so awesome at semifinals and how they've like taken care of us afterwards that like they have my loyalty. They've, they've been incredible. And it's a great yeah, program. They,
0: <laughs> yeah, so I was at the three North American semis mm-hmm. and that whole team was at every semifinal yeah. that I was at for all their athletes, not just Mal and Jason,
1: but yeah. every single athlete. Yes. It was awesome. It is like the, the coolest. If you've ever like fangirled over somebody or like met your celebrity in person. And you're like, man, I hope they're cool. Like, I hope this isn't a letdown. <laughs> and they were so cool. Like, they were so normal and so down to earth and so helpful the whole weekend.
0: So do you have a specific coach with HWPO? Or are you still using St- Stina?
1: Stina, yeah. It's like Christina without the Chris. <laughs> um, I'm still with her. Um, and we're working, like, with HWPO. Like, We've met with um, Jake, Jake Marconi to kind of, like, do adjust the HWPO program so that it's better for me or so that it's more like personalized for me, if that makes sense. <laughs> so she's still my coach, but we're kind of working in blue with them to, to make it all work.
0: And Jake will sit down with you and Stina to, to kind of discuss that or.
1: That's what we did like over FaceTime because we're very far apart yeah. from each other. Um, but yeah, so we sat down for a phone call and he, you know, wrote out this whole spreadsheet for us, very like organized, which totally appeals to my OCD of what he would change and like fix or substitute or focus on and just helped us kind of like, okay, this is our game plan, which is way more than I expected them to be willing to help us. So that was awesome.
0: And Jake is one of the nicest people you will ever meet in the world. He
1: really is. The whole crew is, they're just good people.
0: Yeah, I think we've had a majority of them on the show um, and they've all been amazing and all amazing in person as well. Absolutely. Um, so, so now you've, you've got a rest day, you're working with Stina and the HWPO programming. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I talked to you about Gabby and training partners, any plans for trying to train with some other elite athletes?
1: A little bit. Um, the Colorado area is kind of weird. There's just not, at least on the women's side, or maybe that's not fair to say. There's quite a few of us. Um, we're just like spread out. Um, but Zoe Warren and, um, like the backcountry crew, they, that's a group that I have gone down to train with them. They're in like the Highlands ranch area, like Denver area. So they're about an hour from me and we get along really well. And also, Zoe is like the opposite athlete as I am like she's fast. She's got endurance. She's little and quick and like, I'm like stronger and more explosive. So us training together is great because we push each other on each other's weaknesses. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And that's, those are the partners you want to have. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so I have something funny to say and so I have I have a friend who is a CrossFit athlete, who every time I talk to someone from Colorado, he says, "That's my old training partner."
1: That's Logan Ewing. It is. Yeah, yeah. He was not long ago. Yeah.
0: So whether I'm I'm talking to Kelly Stone or I'm talking to you or what, like I always get a text like, the next hour after I post something, oh, that's my old training partner.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We used to train together. We used to do mayhem together. And he's like, it's kind of the same situation. We're like opposite athletes. So we were a good, a good pair as far as that goes. Like we pushed each other in the right spots. So.
0: So was he at your gym for a while?
1: Yeah. So his dad is actually one of the owners of our gym. Yeah. So he, Okay. before he moved to mayhem, this is where he trained.
0: Yeah. And yeah, I, I love that kid. <laughs> He, he doesn't know how to, like, he can talk mm-hmm. um, and he will talk your ear off, but I love him. He is so, yeah. such a good guy.
1: Yeah. He is the most high energy kid all the time. And he's always like that. Like there's never, there's never a low.
0: <laughs> so we talk about training partners and now you're going into a new season where there have been some big changes to the way things are going to look. So you are West of the Mississippi. Mm -hmm. So that means you are in us West. Yeah. How nervous are you for the new format?
1: I mean, definitely nervous. I think I'm just as nervous as I was last year. Um, I think the biggest thing is that like everything that has changed. I mean, it's all outside of my control. Right. So like I'm trying really hard just, I can't stress about it because there's nothing I can change. All I can do is get as fit as I possibly can and work as hard as I can and make my own run. And that was the same thing as last year. Everything I was nervous about last year was like stuff I couldn't control.
0: You train in Colorado, you're at Elevation. Does that help you? You think when you leave Elevation? Um,
1: I haven't like noticed it a ton, really. <laughs> I definitely notice it when I've been gone a while and I come back, but like Tennessee, for example, and it was great because we were in the Coliseum, but the humidity is so much more extreme there than what we're used to here in Colorado that I feel like it's kind of a wash where I'm like, I'm sweating so much. Like what is happening? And that's not, that's not what happens in Colorado. <laughs> so it's kind yeah, of like, a- it was, it was hot
0: in that arena though.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, I thought so too. But ma- I was like, maybe I'm being a little like
0: pansy. <laughs> I don't know. But. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it, it was bad. It was bad. Um, so I think the biggest thing is you're guaranteed five spots, and the predictions right now are that the West isn't going to get a ton more than the five.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um,
0: so that that makes it a little little antsy um, in that area, but you competed against some of the best in the world at syndicate and held your own. So there's no reason to say that with the right training this year, you can't do that uh, in a bigger field.
1: Yeah. That's, I mean, that's the hope, right? Like that's all I can do is just work my ass off for the next few months. And that when it gets to semifinals that that hard work will show.
0: So now you, you're not firefighting anymore What are you doing for income while you're training? I know you're a nutrition coach. Yes.
1: Um, So really the only sources of income I am providing (laughs) is I'm a CrossFit coach at 970. So I coach four days a week here um, and I kind of fill in as needed. And then I'm also a nutrition coach. So that's something that's like easy for me. Both of those really are easy to like fill in and I can do like all my nutrition coaching. Most of my clients check in on my rest day. So that's super That's super simple. Um, But otherwise, and like, I cannot speak highly enough on my husband in so many ways, but this truly would not be an opportunity for me if I did not have him. And it is like the biggest weight that I feel that I know he doesn't put on me, (laughs) Um, but it does not go underappreciated. Like I couldn't go after this dream if it wasn't for his support. So I am bringing a little income, but anybody knows CrossFit coaches don't make a ton of money. No, did
0: that for a while.
1: <laughs> I know yeah. what that's like. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Are you able to at least increase the amount you're coaching during this yeah. time?
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'm definitely, that was kind of the hard thing when I was on, I was online is that my coaching schedule would always rotate. So my shift schedule rotates backwards. Um, so I was always having to get classes covered. So now my, my schedule's regular and I have, you know, a full week every week.
0: So with all that, I'm so happy for you that you've made this decision. Um, When you, when it came to the decision, you talk about your husband in the post and Mm -hmm. that you guys have been talking about this for months. Mm -hmm. I also noticed looking through some of your stuff on Instagram that, that you have some faith-based beliefs. Mm -hmm. How much of that factored in to all of this decision-making?
1: A ton. Like we have prayed so much on this. Um, and that, I mean, that's really like the biggest way that we found comfort with this decision is yes, we're in a position that we can afford to do it. Um, but knowing that like, this has been on my heart for so long and that this is something that I wanted to do for so long, we just genuinely believe that God wouldn't have put this on my heart if he didn't want me to go after this. So we have prayed a ton on this.
0: (laughs) And you've gotten the answers from God that this is, this is the way to go.
1: I mean, we think so. We've talked about that a lot. Like I, <laughs> there's no like big neon sign that's like this way, you know? Um, yeah. But the passion that we feel behind this, I think it, it, everything was pointing that it was time to give this a shot. And in long-term, like I loved my job in the fire service and I still, like, I still go visit the guys. Um, there's, you know, our fire chief said if I decide I want to come back as long as he's chief, I have a job. So I may end up back there one day. Um, But we also, I grew up on a ranch and that's something that we really want to get back into. And so long-term, like this all just made sense because we're both like in my post, we're no spring chickens anymore. (laughs) Um, And if we want to do all this stuff and maybe, you know, start a family eventually, like there's kind of a time cap on being a competitive athlete as an individual at this level. I mean, maybe I'll go master's one day. I've had some opportunity to go team. Um, But the commitment I feel like as an athlete on those levels is just a little bit less. And I don't mean that it's like bag on anybody. Um, But the individual field is just so competitive now. I feel like you almost have to, you have to be full time. And I know some people can juggle it. Like Chloe Wilson is incredible. Um, But I'm just, I'm just not that person. And I feel like if we want to do all these things, like, I'm gonna
0: to have to make some choices. And and Chloe's incredible, but she's not made it to the games. True. You know, doing the <laughs> juggling. Yeah. You know. And I know it's been like one point, three points for her. Yeah. Yeah. But it's still like maybe if she could go a hundred percent, she would get over that hump. Yeah. Um so you grew you say you grew up on a ranch.
1: Mm-hmm
0: what kind of foundation did that give you that you're now living with today to make these decisions?
1: I can't, I mean, growing up on the ranch, it made me who I am. And I think like the work ethic that you get from growing up in that kind of, that kind of atmosphere and that kind of community is unprecedented. Like you can't build that anywhere else. And I grew up with two older brothers and I was a daddy's girl. Like I wanted to be out on the ranch all the time with my brothers and my dad. So it was like, keep up or go home. (laughs) Um, and that work ethic has stuck with me, not only through the fire service, but into my CrossFit career and not even, and not only that, but like all the odd object stuff that we do on the ranch has really set me up pretty nice for all the odd object stuff in CrossFit.
0: (laughs) Yeah. If you can, if you can carry a calf, you can carry a sandbag.
1: Yeah, exactly. (laughs) They don't yeah. even move those sandbags.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, you also seem to have a love for animals. Yeah. Um, and your parents still run the ranch.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: is that your happy place?
1: Oh, absolutely. Now that I'm an adult, I took that I took that lifestyle for granted so much. Um, the community that I'm from is like real small, like really tiny. Um, there's definitely no CrossFit gym there. <laughs> um, but one day, I mean, that's definitely where we end up. We hope to end up back there.
0: And your, your husband's in law enforcement.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: is yeah. there law enforcement in your own town? Cause I know you graduate yeah. with like seven people, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is, it's definitely different than what he does now. <laughs> uh, he works in a pretty busy city right now. So that would be like a major culture shock. Yeah. Maybe in a good way. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah. He'd, he'd be going back to Andy Griffith and Barney Fife.
1: Yeah. He'd, he'd definitely be like the sheriff. He'd he'd have all the experience. <laughs> <that place. laughs>
0: so I know your, your parents have like 11 or 12 dogs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The how many, crazy how many dogs do you cool. have? Just two, <laughs> just, just two, just two. And they're not like my parents' dogs are working dogs. They are. Um, I mean, they're, they're very loved, but they have a job. That's why they have so many my dogs are just, they're just for me to pet and cuddle. <laughs> yeah. They think they're cat dogs. They're not.
0: <laughs> yeah. It's funny. Cause my in-laws, they own a farm. Yeah. Um, and they raise cattle and to them, animals are work animals mm-hmm. or for, or for food or for whatever. So when yeah. we take our dog back, they don't understand that a dog is in the house.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My parents are funny. Like, They are kind of similar to that, but my dad is, he's the biggest teddy bear and his dogs are his babies. Like I think when he goes to yet like holler at me or my brothers, all the dogs names come out first before our names start coming out. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, they're working dogs, but they're, they're well loved.
0: (laughs) And what kind of dogs do you have?
1: I have, I have two Corgi crosses. So I have a Corgi boxer which was not planned. She was supposed to be a Corgi, but um, the neighbor dog got in there Uh, and then a Corgi Australian (laughs) shepherd. (laughs) So they're both just sassy little, little dogs.
0: (laughs) So the one that's with Australian shepherd, does she try to herd?
1: Yeah. Yeah. They both think that they're great cow dogs, but they just like, they ruin everything. Anytime they try to help like the cows go everywhere. And I swear my dad's dogs look at them. Like, are you kidding me right now? Like, what are you doing? (laughs)
0: yeah we had a uh we had a collie last time part shelty part australian and and she would try to herd every kid in the neighborhood when they were playing in the backyard like Mm -hmm. herd around them it was hilarious
1: get really low and yeah yeah
0: yep (laughs) and it's so fun because she'd never been on a farm so it's all instinctual
1: yeah, they're so smart. Collies in general are just incredibly smart.
0: Yeah. Um, my dog now is part I don't even know. Part
1: <laughs> Those are the part best Chihuahua.
0: <laughs> part Chihuahua, part Yorkie.
1: Oh, that's a little dog.
0: He's twenty-two pounds.
1: Oh, okay. That's pretty good size. That's bigger than I figured.
0: And and he's he's black and brown and, and he has the coloring of a rottweiler. And he thinks he is one.
1: Ah, the little man syndrome. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's how my Corgi boxer is. She's, she thinks she's like a giant guard dog and she's just, she's not very big. <laughs> she's like the most jacked Corgi you've ever seen.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, she's like mom.
1: Yeah. She's like, don't people say they look like their dogs?
0: <laughs> there you go. They, you work out together.
1: There
0: we go. <laughs> so, so your future, a past CrossFit is to be back on a ranch, uh, doing yeah. that kind of thing again. That that's the dream.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so if win it's the CrossFit games, the fire, take the
0: prize money.
1: I mean, away. heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. I like that.
0: <laughs> so for this season, I know you said that your long-term plan is the games so this season is it just to get better at semis
1: i mean the goal is the games right i would be lying if i if i got on here and said that that wasn't why i made this leap like that's why we're doing what we're doing um but we're also we're realistic too like it's going to take a lot of hard work and we're changing everything now so it's a little bit of an adjustment uh and it's definitely a little bit of a, a emotional adjustment for me too to be a little bit more dependent on the people around me than I ever have had to be. So it's going to take, it's going to be, it's going to be a good season, but it's going to be a ride for sure.
0: So this is my last question for you. And that is you, you went through syndicate and you said that you made some personal mistakes Mm -hmm. because of firefighting. You probably didn't have the opportunity to go to like a Watapalooza granite games very often to yeah. be able to get that competition experience under your belt. Yeah. Are you going to be able to do any of that in the, in the coming months? I guess I'm, I'm edging it Watapalooza for this year, but maybe in the future beyond that, even other out, out of season competitions.
1: Yeah. So that's definitely the goal. And that was definitely a big conversation that we had with like Jake and O'Keefe that that was something I needed to do was get more competition experience. That was definitely, um, a big, probably the biggest learning curve at semifinals was that I just had never been at that level of competition as an individual. And it was, I mean, it was way different than I had expected. Um, and then this off season I had my, I had surgery on my knee. So that kind of like threw everything out the window for what we had planned for this season. But moving forward, that's definitely that's on our schedule. like I need to be out there at as many competitions as I can without getting hurt
0: <laughs> right
1: and staying healthy so
0: So no Wadapalooza this year
1: no I, we were we were hoping for it. I was gonna go team with Zoe and a couple another girl if we could find it, but when the qualifier came around, my knee was just it was just wasn't there. I would have been I would have been holding our team back so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny how it all works because there are people going that didn't have to do the qualifier.
1: Yeah. Right. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. If you just made your team, <laughs> well, I yeah, something? But, yeah I, mean, I don't have that big a name yet. So
0: <laughs> yeah. Soon. Well, Soon. because you just changed it.
1: That's true. I'm like flying under the radar. It's like, it's pretty cool.
0: <laughs> so I have to admit when you tagged me, I was like, who is Patterson? Like, did I know?
1: <laughs> That's, fair. That's fair. You know, and and I had
0: to look and go, Oh, Taylor Sykes.
1: I thought about tagging Kat. Um, Cause there was a post. I don't even remember what it was. I tried to find it, but I made it a while ago and it was about like making, making big moves and making big changes for this upcoming season. And Kat had commented on it. Like, Oh, I'm, I'm excited to see what this is. And then I couldn't decide if I even wanted to tell, the land of Instagram. Like I was like, I'll just keep this between us. Um, But then, and you know, in my new, like, I'm going to keep it real on Instagram thing. um, I decided to make the post. So (laughs) uh, I was like, ah, see, now they know. This is the big thing I was alluding to. (laughs) Well, Taylor,
0: I'm excited for you. This is going to be a fun season. Um, I hope you let us follow you on this journey and maybe we can check in periodically through the season kind of see how it's going how things have changed and uh we wish you all the luck in the world
1: thank you thank you it's gonna be it's gonna be a journey but we're excited
0: all right thank you so much for jumping on
1: of course thank you for having me